This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is time for your Beltway Blitz as we welcome you back to Grant and Danny. Danny and the fam are enjoying the holidays this week. I am solo with you through the end of the week leading up to Washington, Cleveland, FedEx Field, A massive playoff ramification-filled weekend of football. We'll get you ready for it and set the table all week long. Ryan and Darius hanging out with you until 6.30 tonight. Let's get the blitz started. Caps on deck. Commanders in the hole. Here come the Wiz. Dave Johnson, the voice of Wizards basketball on the radio Back-to-back victories for the Wizards, including Friday night before the holiday. They beat the Sacramento Kings 125-111. And, Dave, they did it behind 32 from Kyle Kuzma, who has been marvelous, hadn't he? No, he has been. He's been, to uh, coin a phrase from Van Halen, who brought you back from Bake. He's been unchained. And that's uh, that's been the key for, for him. He's been able to play, as Wes Unsold said, with, with more freedom here in D.C. And as we've talked about it, uh, because not like in L.A. where they did have Anthony Davis and LeBron James and et cetera. Uh, here, we need him to be more, and he's embracing being more. And as a result, uh, by far, he's having his best point production uh, of, his, of his career. And, and that when you mentioned in Sacramento, significant. It was on the second of a back-to-back against a very good Kings team, and it's with players coming back. So now with Kuzma, with Beal, Porzingis on the court and a cast around them coming back. Can this team get on a run and get back in the mix? And that's what they're trying to do, right? Because they went through such an ugly stretch that it's no longer really a worrying about seeding or how high up the, the playoff pool can they climb. It's, it's now just trying to get back in the conversation. I mean, what is your thought, yeah. big picture, on how this year has gone? Well, I mean, big picture, it's like when you win five of six at home and and you're, you're it's not that long ago. It was in November, and, and we're heading out on the road and feeling pretty good. And, and I still remember Porzingis saying, if we play defense like this, uh, take it on the road. And, and But then all of a sudden, you know, Bradley Beal goes out. And then, uh, wait a minute, you mean Rui Hachimura's ankle's more serious. And, and uh, you know, all these things just kept happening. And then you combine it with a, a, a December, which – We've only played three home games in December. We're going to play back-to-back tonight and tomorrow. So that's a total of five home games uh, in a month. All, all I'm saying is this is uh, between the injuries leading to inconsistency and, and a, a difficult schedule. You know, that's a recipe for what has happened, quite frankly. So now, uh, tonight, game number 34, uh, think about it. If Denny Avdia comes back, 
from a sore back. It will be the first time uh, they will have their entire rotation uh, available for the same game. So that's 34 games into the season. Uh, it's what we've talked about uh, on the Team 980 when we've done our, our broadcast. Uh, this is December. This is not February and the trade deadline. So what has to happen now is this team get healthy. And let's see over the next 18 games what this is all about. Because the Wizards would not be the first team to be stuck in a, in a cul-de-sac of confusion to, to uh, deal with. But, but you have teams like the Sixers who are on an eight-game winning streak, the Nets, you know, a nine-game winning streak. What I'm saying is uh, you'd like to see and what the Wizards do need now is to have that kind of Maybe it's not an eight- or nine-game winning streak, but, yeah, you need a five-game, a six-game winning streak uh, to show, hey, uh, you know, we're going to get back in this thing. And, again, the schedule still not breaking. We have to go back out on the road. But my point being is the, the season's not over, and it's especially not over if a rotation can stay healthy. Plus five tonight for the Wizards, according to the odds makers. They're catching five points. They're expecting a high-scoring game. The total is 225. You mentioned Rui. I wanted to follow up real quick on him. He has these games every now and then that really make you dream on what he could be. And he just had one against the Kings four days ago where he had 27 minutes, 21 points, 9 of 15 from the floor, hit three threes, had five boards and four assists. But those games are like one out of every, I don't know, eight, ten games he plays or so. Why can't he be that more consistently? Well, uh, no, look at and I don't have the game log in front of me, but, uh, you know, he came back against Utah. And, and, and played well. But, again, that was his first game back in nine minutes. Uh, he can play that well. What he has to do is it's got to be you can't – he was starting to have a good start of the season and he's gone for nine games. Or, uh, it, it, he just needs to be on the court. That's, that's my belief. And, and it's, it, this is why uh, it's, it's too early to judge what this, this Wizards uh, team is about. Uh, that, that it, it's, it's getting on the court on a consistent basis, and then you see what they're about. And this is not unique to the Wizards. Uh, the, the Lakers are different when they're missing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, he just needs to be on the court on a consistent basis. He can be a special player. To me, there's, there's uh, I don't want to say pressure on him, but this is his time to show. Uh, you know, he's been around long enough that, that uh, and, and, you know, I think the Sacramento Kings game that you referenced uh, was, was there was more of, a, of a, uh, a take charge. And maybe that's from the hunger from being out nine games because it was not supposed to be a nine-game injury. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, when's Rui coming back? Well, he is back and, and he needs to stay back. And that's the bottom line. You can't show what you're about unless – you, you stay in a rhythm of games. It's as simple as that. Dave, thanks so much. Really appreciate the insight. And listen, Happy New Year. And again, you and Danny just do such a, a wonderful job. It adds so much to the fabric of our city with sports. Well, we really appreciate you, man. Always being willing to come on and help us out. And uh, you do a great job. And nobody works harder, man. You got all the gigs. So have a great New Year. Take a couple minutes to yourself with the fam. All the best to you as well. Dave Johnson with us, a true pro here on our Beltway Blitz. By the way, first of two in a row at Cap One Arena for the Wizards tonight against the Sixers, 7 o'clock tip, and then tomorrow the Suns are in town for a 7 o'clock start as well. Let's keep the Blitz moving. Caps also back in action after a respite for the holiday. They last played on Friday night, Ovi scoring twice. He's now all alone as the number 2 all-time goal scorer in hockey 
And now he's chasing down Wayne Gretzky. The Rangers host the Capitals this evening. 7 o'clock puck drop. To talk about it with us, we got our buddy Ben Raby of the Caps Radio Network. Ben, let's go back to Friday first. Just an unbelievable scene. Of course it happened at Cap 1 Arena going in to the Christmas holiday. The early gift from Ovi. What an awesome experience that was for everyone who was there. It really was, Grant, and a, a couple of observations that I left the arena with that night, one of which was it was a little odd, not in a bad way, but the way it played out, it was like you were watching two things at once unfold. There was a game, and the Capitals played well, and they won again, a 4-1 win over the Jets, and then there was just Watch, and especially as the game went along and it was the third period and the Jets pulled their goaltender and the crowd was chanting Ovi's name, even though he was on the bench and not necessarily on the ice. It was almost like you were watching two things. There was a game, and then there was Ovi watch within that. And I will say there was all this talk leading up to these milestone tallies. If he had gotten it on an empty netter, would it be any less significant? And, of course, he passes how with an empty netter with a minute remaining. And the way it unfolded, Grant, he scores with a minute left. And it was really neat the way the ovation and the reception for Ovi at that point, it carried through the final minute of the game and then just morphed right into the post game. So if you follow, it was really like seven, eight minutes of real time from when he scored the goal until he came out for a final salute, his first star, the Jets lined up to shake his hands. It was really cool the way it played out in real time, about seven, eight minutes, because it was the goal and empty netter. And it just kept, the celebration just carried over. In other words, right through the post game it was really cool the way it ultimately played out. It was incredible. So starting with, he didn't want to score an empty netter. I thought that was pretty clear. Like he is passing the puck. He wants Kuz to shoot. Kuz throws it back to him, and he kind of regrettably turns and spins mm-hmm. it toward the cage and scores. So that in and of itself was funny. Then I thought, and you, you may know better about this, but just watching on TV, sadly I wasn't there. But he, it seemed like his teammates didn't know whether they should pour onto the ice because it was so late in the game that they're like, well, maybe we'll just wait till the game ends so then they come out on the ice. And then the Jets giving him a, a handshake line like a series had just ended. I thought the whole thing was really perfect. It was just kind of everything that's right about sports all the way down to the sportsmanship from the opponent because we're that's the territory we're in now, Ben. We, we are in like the other team is happy to be in the building when you do something territory. Yeah. That, to us, to John Walton, Ken Sabrin, and myself on our broadcast, that was the thing that really stuck out to us. The Winnipeg Jets at the end of the game lining up at center ice to shake hands with Ovechkin. And, and I forget, Grant, you could fill me in. When Cal broke Lou Gehrig's Ironman record and he did the lap around, around Camden Yards, I'm not sure if the California Angels were out on their dugout, if they saluted him as well. That, that's something that I could maybe compare this to as far as the right. opponent giving the respect to a number eight, to a legend for making history. But it was really cool that the Jets did that because they're coming off the bench from the Capitals. We kind of anticipated that. They did that for 800. They've done that for past milestone goals. But we had never seen the opposing team show the respect to that extent. And it, it was really well done by the Winnipeg Jets. We, 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 we thought that, that they showed themselves very well. It was a very classy move and something we weren't necessarily expecting the other night. Only one man left to chase down, and that's Wayne Gretzky. Ovi, by the way, now on pace after two goals for 50 on the season. I'll take the under, but he's going to be somewhere in the 40s probably. And as he closes in on 40 years old, that's just staggering. 
Caps, more importantly, have won four straight and nine of ten. And the next team in front of them now in the standings is the Rangers. They're only one point behind the New Yorkers who they play tonight. What can you tell us about the Rangers in this game, Ben? Yeah, this is big boy hockey tonight. Not only the Caps playing well, four in a row, nine of ten is the reference, but the Rangers entered the break. They have won eight of their last nine. They've had a little bit of a sluggish start to their season. They were in the Eastern Conference final a year ago. There were very high expectations for the Rangers coming in. They had a little bit of a slow start, but not unlike the Capitals, really turning it around of late. So, no, this will be a, a good game, a big game, and keep in mind the Capitals, too, having to do it now without John Carlson. He's out long-term, out indefinitely after taking that puck to the face the other night. So, Something that bears watching tonight, how the Capitals handle the Rangers and how they do it now without another headliner unavailable to them, in this case, uh, John Carlson. Ben, thank you, buddy. Much appreciated. Yeah, appreciate it, Grant. Thank you, sir. I do want to say that uh, I feel for Carly and, and his fam. I can't imagine just how much that ruined Christmas morning at the Carlsons uh, as he was dealing with having taken that puck to the face. But we're thinking about him and his fam as uh, he recovers and hopefully gets back on the ice real soon. Let's keep it moving on the Blitz and talk some football. Drop two in a row. They got to get back on the good foot against Cleveland this weekend at FedEx Field. Matt Paris covers the commanders for the Washington Times. Matt, why don't we start with Rivera today saying he has not made a decision on quarterback. Do you think he doesn't know or do you think he's not willing to announce it yet? I would probably say it's more the latter. You know, he's a big guy about wanting to talk to the players as a whole. Uh, you know, maybe he just hasn't had the opportunity to address them yet. Um, it, it seems like he maybe has made a decision, but then again, he, he said that he hasn't. I guess we'll believe him at his word. What is the actual chance that it's Heineke? I feel like he is a really bad poker player, and I mean this in a complimentary way. I, I get the sense that generally he leaves a lot of uh, Easter eggs. You know, he's he's giving you hints all the time. If you just listen to him, he's going to lay the cards out for you. And it's been really clear he was going back to Wentz at some point. I'd be shocked if he goes back to Heineke. I think there's no chance. Am, am I off beat base here? No, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, I, at this point, I mean, it's kind of funny, though, right? It, you know, Heineke threw he, his season high, get uh, a season high in completion percentage. Uh, this past game, he had two touchdowns. The The ball was kind of moving, even though they didn't get the end zone. It's just those back-to-back turnovers, I think, really uh, hurt him. And, yeah, I would be really surprised if it was Heineke at this point, honestly. Do you think that the move to Wentz was premeditated before the game ends? Uh, before the game began, rather, in San Fran, along the lines of what you just said. Do you think he was going to make the move? He just needed to wait for Heineke to give him any opening. Yeah, I mean, we had certainly talked about it. Of you know, he mentioned that the offense had stalled out. That once he had to think about a quarterback change. I mean, everyone kind of predicted it. <laughs> you know, I was on the show thinking it didn't happen, wouldn't happen, but I was wrong. So, um, you, you guys called that one. Good job. But uh, no, yeah, I, I just didn't. Uh, I think Wentz, uh, he was itching to go to Wentz, and I think part of it was important for him to see what Wentz could do, you know, the game was out of reach at that point. There were still nine minutes left. That was enough time to get Wentz a driver too. And I think it was important for him to evaluate it. Even if Wentz had been a disaster, then they would have at least known. Yeah. And I also think that going to him at that point made a lot of sense, honestly, because 
I've believed for weeks that he was going to start the Cleveland game and play the last two if they lost to San Fran. And to get him those drives might be invaluable in terms of rust and just getting him back on the field and seeing the game speed and, and, and working with a line that is a little bit different than the one he worked with weeks and weeks ago. And I think for all those reasons, maybe going to him had almost nothing to do with trying to come back against San Fran and more to do with now you're still in the playoffs. you got two games left. You need Wentz to be good. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And we heard Rivera say today that he thought Wentz was better at making quicker decisions, um, you know, picking up blitzes, something he struggled with for the first six games. So it sounds like they saw some improvement in him. And I guess if he plays these final two games, just can that continue? Matt Paris of the Washington Times. I thought Chase Young was really good. And I know you've written and a lot of people have talked about how impressive he was. What happened to 10 or 12 snaps? I mean, how did he end up with 40 or whatever it was? Yeah, he, he played 30. 30, uh, apparently, 30 snaps. Yes. Apparently at some point, you know, Rivera checked in with him and Young pretty much insisted that he was good to go and that he could keep playing. Now, I think there is a, a danger in that still. I mean, you know, it, it's good that Young is confident in himself and that the training staff felt confident that he could handle those snaps, but... You know, we've heard with him and Logan Thomas in the past saying like, oh, yeah, maybe we, we push Logan Thomas too early. But, you know, you have to credit Chase Young because he did play really well. I think those, you know, those weeks of conditioning and ramping up actually probably helped him at this point because he took such a long ramp up period. But he was in this position to be ready to handle that workload. But, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see how he kind of maintains through the season. And I think it kind of helps that there's only two games left because he doesn't have to sustain a heavy workload throughout the rest of the season. They can just kind of cruise at this pace and see what he's able to do. All right, so let's talk injuries for a second. Give me an update on how St. Juice came out of the game, and then Cam Curl and Antonio Gibson for a gotta-have-it game against Cleveland. Yeah, St. Juice um, is fine. You know, There was no mention of him today from Rivera or even after the game. Cam Curl sounds like he's close to playing. Uh, for Sunday that, you know, they, they worked him out before the game, that he's made um, progress on that leg, on that ankle uh, today. And I think he'll be good to go. Antonio Gibson, that was the one that I would be keeping an eye on. He, Rivera said he had a sprain, did not classify whether it was an ankle or foot sprain. Um, he said they'd have to monitor it throughout the week, but it, it didn't seem like Gibson finished the game. You know, Jonathan Williams got those, got that work late, and Dax Jones was on kickoff. So uh, I think that's something to monitor. I mean, uh, I don't know if he'll be out necessarily, but uh, we'll see what they – they were already managing his workload uh, the previous week. And so, um, you know, this is something that I think made linger here. Great info, Matt. Thank you, buddy. We really appreciate you as always. Yeah, thank you. All right, be well. There's Matt Paris of the Times on the Commanders, and that's your Blitz. Three teams you care about in town all jammed into one segment. All right, next, let's get into possible playoff scenarios going into the weekend. This is my favorite thing in the world to do, just so we're all on the same page. It's December. It's almost January. It's the end of an NFL season, and we're talking about the playoffs. And if this happens, then guess what has to happen in this game? It's the best. It's what I dreamed about as a kid. It's what I always wanted. And we have the gift of important football in the penultimate weekend of an NFL year at FedEx against the Browns. 
this weekend. So we'll get into it next on G&D right here on The Fan. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on The Fan. Danny on vacay this week. Garris and Ryan alongside. Figured we could get into the playoff permutations for this weekend for the Commanders. So, quick look at the NFC. The Eagles are atop the conference, and they have a 98% chance of finishing as the one seed. There is a 1% chance, quite literally, that they could end up the two seed in the NFC at this point. The Vikings are going to be the two seed, it looks like. They have a 72% chance of being the two seed, but if they falter and the 49ers surge, they would become the three seed. San Francisco would become the two seed. There is no other spot for Minnesota and San Francisco other than the two and the three. So that means that if Washington gets in, they will play either the Vikings or the 49ers in the first round of the playoffs. The NFC South winner will be the four seed. We know that because the NFC South is a joke. And no team from that division should make the playoffs this year, but one is going to, probably at eight wins and nine losses, it looks like at this point. Maybe, just maybe, the Bucs, who we keep thinking are going to get right, will win their last two and they'll be over 500. And at nine and eight, it'll look a little bit more tolerable. But they're going to be the four seed and they're going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. The Eagles will get the bye. And then the Vikings and 49ers are going to play the six and the seven seeds. And that's where things get fun. It looks like the Giants are almost a certainty to make the playoffs at this juncture at 8-6-1, and one, thanks to the tie and the win over Washington at FedEx Field. They got an 86% chance to be the six seed, a 7% chance to fall to the seven seed, which brings us to the bottom of the playoff pool right now and Washington. Above the threshold, the last team in, at 7-7-1. Seven, seven, they are being chased by three teams on the outside looking in all one half game back. The Seahawks out of the West are 7-8. and eight. The Lions out of the North, 7-8. and eight. And the Packers out of the North, also 7-8. and eight. Now, Green Bay, currently at 7-8, and eight, winners of three in a row, tied with the Lions in the win-loss column, is behind Detroit because of the head-to-head win for the Lions over the Green Bay Packers. The Lions recently had been rolling. They beat the Jags, they beat the Vikings, they beat the Jets, and everyone thought after 40 points against Jacksonville, 34 against Minnesota, a a squeaker of a win against the Jets, that they were the team to look out for. Guess what? They got what they needed. They got the commander's loss in San Fran. Had the Lions handled their business against the Panthers, they would be in right now. Dan Campbell's, hey, man, listen up, guys. All we need to do is just win, man. Beat the Panthers and we're in, brothers. They couldn't do it. They got boat raced by Carolina, 37-23. And the game really wasn't that close. If Green Bay, who plays Detroit again, wins that game, they will likely have the tiebreaker after splitting the head with Detroit, and they would be in a good spot to move ahead of the Lions and to get in with help from Washington. The the team that's most interesting, I would say, is Seattle in that the Seahawks have completely fallen apart. They beat the Rams 27-23 and were in great position as a team that was in for that moment. 
And since then, they have lost to the Panthers, 49ers, and Chiefs, 24, 21-13, 24-10. Their offense has completely regressed. Geno Smith has taken a step back. The Lions host the Bears this weekend. Let's assume they win their 8-8. Eight and eight. The Packers host the Vikings this weekend. A very tough game, obviously, but let's just say they win. They get to 8-8 eight and eight as well. The Seahawks are at the Jets. Let's say, worst-case scenario, they win, and all three are 8-8. Eight and eight. The only way for Washington to maintain the lead that they have is to beat the Browns. It's possible that Washington could lose to Cleveland, and then Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay with wins would all move ahead of them, and they would not only not be in the playoffs, but they would be three spots essentially out of the playoffs at that point. In fact, if the Commanders lose to the Browns and the Lions and the Packers both win, they will be eliminated from postseason play this weekend. That's petrifying. I would say it's unlikely, but it is possible. I mean, again, Green Bay's got to beat Minnesota. At some point, the Vikings, who win every game by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, you have to imagine at 12-3 and or due for a setback. And Green Bay comes into this game winners of three in a row surging. I think the Lions will beat the Bears. I mean, if they if they lose back-to-back to the Panthers and the Bears, not only are they not getting in, which is obvious, but they don't deserve to be in this conversation, and they're just not as good as we thought they were. But I didn't for one second think they were running the table like everyone was pretending like they were going to do last week. I didn't get that. It's still the Lions, man. I mean, they, they still have some flaws here. This is not a Super Bowl team. Every week is, is a toss-up, you know, heads or tails kind of matchup. They are Washington. They are Seattle. Green Bay is flawed. All these teams are flawed. And then the Seahawks, as I said, Jets, and then the Rams. You know, I'll say this. If, if the Seahawks beat the Jets, they're actually right back to being in a good spot just because of how easy their final weekend game is. I think they have the easiest game. The Commanders have the Cowboys in Week 18. Scale of 1 to 10 from a difficulty standpoint. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume Dallas benches some starters, and I'm still going to say that's like a 5.5, a maybe a 6 out of 10. Division team, backup who's had a lot of success this year. The Seahawks with the Rams, that, 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 there's no difficulty to that. And then the Packers and Lions play each other, kind of cancel each other out. One of those teams loses is Cook. The other one's going to benefit. But that brings us to the Washington playoff chances this weekend. To clinch a playoff berth against the Browns on Sunday, 1 o'clock at FedEx Field, the Commanders need to beat Cleveland, a 6-9 and team that has not been good offensively, really all year long, but certainly over the last few weeks. In addition to getting that win over the Browns, the Commanders need all three of those teams that are a half game back to lose. That is Seattle against the Jets. That's Detroit against Chicago and Green Bay against Minnesota. Again, not something you'd expect. I don't think you're betting that parlay, although you could. You could get a nice little return on that. Bet you'd get five or six to one on that. But this year has been so weird and such a high percentage of the things the commanders have needed to happen did for about two months running. 
that it wouldn't be the craziest thing of the season if all four of those permutations play out this year, this this weekend, and finish the year with a playoff berth, but so that you don't even have to worry about week 18. You could be resting starters if you wanted to in week 18. Here's why I think they beat the Browns, though, and we'll have all week to talk about this. But since beating the Houston Texans in the Watson return, which was a completely awful offensive performance where their defense overtook Houston, scored a bunch of points. The Browns have scored 10 points against the Bengals and gotten doubled up. 13 points against the Ravens. 10 points against the Saints. I know there was some weather and it was frigid, windy, and gross in Cleveland. Uh, Really, really awful conditions. They threw the ball for 92 yards in that game this weekend. But this offense is bad, man. They are. They're, they're, they stink. They can't throw the ball. This is the matchup that Washington had every week for six weeks when they got rolling. This is what they draw up to play if, if they have their druthers. They want teams that lack the ability to spread them out and sling it. They want you to try to be heavy and lean on them and run it down their throat which is exactly what the Browns want to do with Nick Chubb, by the way. Chubb got 24 of their 36 rushing attempts this past week in a 17-10 loss. I mean, in a lot of ways, the Browns are a lot like the Commanders in terms of just style of play offensively. Watson's been throwing for, you know, last week it was 135 yards and a pick. I mean, he doesn't look like the guy that they paid all that money to yet. He's rusty, and he I mean, he looks like a dude who hadn't played in a couple years. So let's keep it real simple. Goes without saying, most important thing is to win. Even if they win and they don't get all the other stuff they need, they go into next week, and all they got to do is beat the Cowboys, and, and they get in. And by the way, that would be a nice little accomplishment, right? You get to nine wins. You win your final two. You'll feel like you earned it. You go into the playoffs with some momentum. Presumably Wentz will have been playing okay to win both of those games. You'll take your chances going to probably Minnesota at that point. A team that has needed to squeak out every single one of its wins this season, just about. One of the worst defenses in the league. They could be run on. They can definitely be thrown on. I actually think a Wentz-led team that's able to be a little bit balanced offensively could present some problems for the Vikings, to be completely honest. But you got to win this weekend to be in the driver's seat. You lose to the Browns. And as I said, the, the two teams from the North, the Lions and the Packers win, blink of an eye and it's over. You're eliminated. My guess is they beat the Browns. It's not wrapped up yet, and they'll go into next week. There will be fewer... Elements to worry about, but they'll go in the next week in the driver's seat against Dallas to try to clinch. All right, let's get to the phones. Andre is in Manassas on Grant and Danny without Danny today. What's up, Dre? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Um, Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. Listen, I mean, I'm hopeful about the playoffs. Uh, You know, while I didn't think we were going to go into San Francisco and, and win the game, I thought we'd probably be a little bit more competitive. So seeing how, yeah, I guess, Seeing that game against San Francisco, I mean, gave me a barometer. Really, you know, really not that good. Um, 
you know, I guess I already knew that because we couldn't beat the we couldn't beat the Giants. You know, we went in there, we we tied them, and then we we lost at home. So I mean, but at the end of the day, I guess as long as you ain't anything can happen. But um, I I guess I'm, I that San Francisco game really kind of was like a gut punch. It basically told me we're really not that good. We still have a long way to go. Well, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, I think, but it's 100% correct. Like, the San Francisco 49ers, in my opinion, were not only the best team the Commanders have played probably all season, but certainly since they played Philly. Because I think the night they played the Eagles, I mean, look, Philly hadn't lost yet, but they dictated terms. Like, they played the Eagles in a game in which Philly being as good as they were didn't really matter. Because they the game script was in Washington's favor, this was their toughest challenge of the year, and in the second half of that game, they got left in San Francisco's dust. You look at the best teams they've played this year. Who are they? Dallas, they lost, and the Cowboys beat them by fifteen with Dak not available. Philly, they got blown out once, and they beat them the second time, so they're one and one there. San Francisco, they lost by 17. And I would even put Minnesota in that conversation who they had a 10-point lead on but lost the game. So they're if we're saying they have played four really good teams this year, they're one in three in those games. I think that's pretty indicative of where they're at and you know what the playoffs could look like. But it's all about matchups, right? You get a friendly one, you get a team that has a hard time stopping the run, you play a bad defense where you can hit something and play action like Minnesota, you know, maybe you make a play or two. You get a team where you're able to, to win up front against an offensive line. I mean, the Vikings are the matchup. You, you saw it at FedEx Field. They, they came back and beat you. Cousins and Jefferson got off in the fourth quarter, and they were outstanding down the stretch. But you had them beat. I mean, you, you, you had them by 10 points in the second half of that game. But those are your uh, permutations are going into the weekend. If you got a thought on the postseason as it's currently put together, I'd love to hear from you on the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. Plus, I got a thought on some coaching openings that could be coming when the year ends after Nathaniel Hackett was the third NFL coach fired this season. Grant Paulson solo today, G&D on the fan. Anyways, thank you so much, Aaron. You're the best. Good luck this weekend against a familiar opponent in which you need to win. The Vikings are hot, as are you guys. Should be a great game. Can't wait to talk to you next Tuesday. All right, guys. Go Browns. See you. Oh, yeah. Browns. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Whoa. Aaron Rodgers. Go Browns. He wants the commanders to lose, and he's making it known on the Pat McAfee show. How about that? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, clearly hoping to get in by any means necessary. And their only path at this point is to overtake Washington. And he knows he needs the commanders to drop a game. I was just thinking about this during the break. We just went through all these different things that could happen and what Washington could do and needs to do. Let's just call it how it is. If this team is a playoff team, the task ahead is not arduous. This is what you hope for. 
They are right where they want to be. If they beat the Browns, who should finish the year at best 7-10 and 10 and probably 6-11. and 11. That's what we're talking about, right? Beat the Browns, man. And then you get the Cowboys. Now, that would be fun to actually figure out how's Dallas going to handle that. I don't think the Cowboys would play their starters for the entire game because you're risking injury, essentially, a week before a playoff game. But they're all but sealed up the five spot. They cannot go higher than five because the top four spots are the division winners, and Philly is going to win the NFC East. They can't go lower than five because at that point the Giants will not be able to catch them. So there, there's no reason to win or lose the game for them. Like There's no benefit. They already know they're going to Tampa or to Carolina, whoever it's going to be, in the first round of the playoffs. They, they know that. Do you care at all, if you're the Cowboys, if Washington gets in versus, say, Green Bay? You shouldn't, really, because you don't have to deal with that team unless they end up upsetting one of the really good teams that's ahead of you in the standings. See San Francisco or Minnesota. But do you try to play chess here instead of checkers? Do you say, okay, well, look, if we go for broke, we beat Washington and Green Bay gets in. We actually think an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team might be able to knock off the Vikings, and now we don't have to worry about them or San Francisco. Like, do you care? Because I'll tell you right now, I don't play the, what's, you know, the, the spirit of the game. You have to try your best. No, my job is to win a championship. You can all kick rocks. I'm going to rest everybody I want to rest. I'm going to sit anybody I want to sit. They're all going to be sucking on Gatorade, laughing on the sidelines, getting ready for next week when we're going to beat an NFC South team because that division stinks. That's how this is going to go. But, uh, but you know, it's not fair. And, and, and Spirit of the, shh. Whatever's best for my operation is what I'm going to do. I happen to be of the belief that you're better off playing rather than sitting everyone and benching guys. I've just seen enough of the, like, the rust that sometimes can exist, especially if you're a team going into a bye, like Philly. If you're not going to play in the first round of the playoffs, to rest at the end of the year, then not play in that round seems like a detriment at times. For the Cowboys, when you're playing the following week, probably not that big of a deal. But I would do what Washington did, sadly enough, one of the last times they made the playoffs in 2015, seven years ago. When, if you remember, they won the division. They went to Dallas in Week 17. They played their starters for a quarter and whipped up on the Cowboys for 15 minutes. And then they pulled everybody, essentially, and played their twos the rest of the way. I think that was the game where um, they actually did, uh, from a depth standpoint, suffer a couple big injuries, including Kaishon Jarrett's career kind of being derailed, if memory serves, sadly. But that's how I'd handle it if I'm Dallas. But it would be really, really interesting. Arch rival. They don't care as much as their fans do. But if they said, you know, it sure would be upsetting if if we gave it everything we had against Washington, wouldn't it? I just can't wait for this weekend. Because we're going to get a chance to find out if this is legit. You know, if this team's authentic. I don't have a big problem with you losing to San Francisco. They're in a higher weight class. The Giants game should be a sour taste still in everybody's mouth. That was not okay what happened. 
You get one of those maybe a year. This Browns game at home would be a second one. It would be a terrible loss. Just like that Giants game out of a bye at home against the division rival. Basically, the Spider-Man meme game looking at yourself in the mirror that you lost. That's really, really bad. If you lose a second straight home game like that, with those diehard fans and the cold out there cheering for you, now to the, the Browns, who scored 13 points a game in the last month, basically, you can't have that. If you're any good, you beat Cleveland, and we got ourselves a win-in-your-in scenario in Week 18 against the Cowboys. How fun does that sound? I mean, how, how great will that be in this town? All right, so I said I wanted to sneak in a thought real quick on the coaching carousel. So I mentioned that the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Colts are the three teams that fired their coaches after uh, Hackett lost his job in Denver yesterday. I think Steve Wilkes should be retained in Carolina. I don't think he will be. I'll bet you they hit the market and go find somebody. Broncos are hiring the guy they brought in to help their old head coach. They fired Hackett. Know when to call timeouts. Uh, He won't be their head coach. And then I think the Colts stick with Jeff Saturday because I think Jim Irsay is a silly goose. The only other vacancy I think that could happen in the NFC is the Cardinals. I think Cliff Kingsbury gets fired in Arizona. And he got extended this offseason, which is weird. And so did um, Steve Keim, their GM. Keim is currently away on a, on a leave of... Health absence, I think it is, like a a health issue, medical issue. I hated the contract they gave Kyler Murray. Thought it was ridiculous. You spend the entire offseason reading these stories from former players and teammates and people saying what a tough teammate and and, uh, at times a problem this guy is and the relationship he's got with some people in the building souring. And then they extend everybody and they give him an insane contract with a lot of guaranteed money. You fast forward now, he's going to miss most of next year with an ACL, and you might have a new GM and a new head coach. I'm not sure there's a situation worse than that going into the offseason in the NFL. That's brutal. So I think they should just rip the Band-Aid off and start over. Unless, I guess, if you're Bidwell, their owner, and you decide, you know what, this is a lost season anyway because Kyler's hurt. Let's bring Kingsbury back, essentially, and feed him to the Sharks. Let's bring... Time back and and let this be their last dance. And then at the end of next year, when they've won five or six games with a bad quarterback situation, then you fire the GM, fire the head coach, and you hire someone to come in with a healthy Kyler Murray for the following season. But I think you move on from Kingsbury. And the other coach I think that could be out is Lovey Smith with Houston. I thought that hiring made no sense. I actually think they're playing hard for him, but they've won... Two games. They're 2-12-1. and one. They have the worst record in football. They're going to have a fourth coach in four years. Has that ever happened before? I mean, they, they fired a guy, and they will now, after two straight years of firing a coach after one year, if they fire Lovey, be out in the market hiring somebody else. I mean, the, the David Cully hiring was awful. He's a, a position coach for years and years. Seems like a great guy. I know B. Mitch and some other folks that I respect really, really like him. But, I mean, you could tell three games in as he's punting on obvious downs where it's you, you know you got to go for it. That, that wasn't going to work. And now Lovey Smith, who, who was struggling in college a handful of years ago, turn your program over to him and, and weirdly have the worst record in the sport. So I think they probably fire him. 
But that's not even Lovey's problem. I mean, the, the Texans are, I mean, that, that's just preposterous what they're doing, just running through coaches and and hiring coaches that don't make sense. I mean, I, I, not one of their hires for three years has made sense. What does Tampa do with Bowles? I think you stick with them. What did the Chargers do with Staley, who just made the playoffs? If they lose in the first round, I think you stick with them. So we might only have four or five openings, which is too fewer than there are normal off seasons every year. You have five, six, seven coaching openings, and that won't be the case this year, I don't think. All right, Danny is out for the week. He is on a little holiday respite. I'm solo today. I want to get into Carson Wentz moving forward here. Does anybody out there think they're actually going to go with Heineke? Because I don't. And what I want to know is, what are you expecting to see from Wentz in these final two games? Let's get into that next on Grant and Danny on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 